0: I hope you had a a fun and relaxing 4th of July, an emergency-free or emergency room-free 4th of July. Uh, I kid you not, I was a few moments away from possibly starting the largest wildfire in Breckenridge history. Uh, It is a very good thing that we were staying with one of my closest friends who's also a firefighter, or I kid you not, I would be America's most wanted arsonist right now in this moment. The story's coming later, don't worry, not today, but when I figure out how to tell it and not look like a fool. Um, But anyway, it's, it's, it's bad that we've already covered the giant of fear because I kid you not, that moment I was terrified. But there's a lot of things that we face. Isn't it not just fear this summer? In fact, we're in a series called Overcome where we are looking at the story of David and Goliath as a springboard to talk about and address all of the giants that we face in this life, not just fear, but everything from addictions to pride, uh, guilt, shame, excuse me, shame, I'm a a mid-school boy every once in a while, my my voice cracks, Um, we go through a lot of different things, do we not, and a lot of times those different issues that we face, they feel like giants, They feel like what we read about in 1 Samuel 17, these 10-foot, hairy, scary Philistine giants that taunt us and and talk trash to us and try to tear us apart. Um, But through the person and power of Jesus Christ, we believe we don't have to be overwhelmed by these things. We can actually overcome all of these things. Sometimes we read the story of David and Goliath and we honestly believe and like to think of ourselves as, as the David. We're the one that can overcome. We're the one that can bring about this great deliverance truth be told we're not david truth be told we're the israelite army are we not for 40 days sat scared in their tents they were just too overwhelmed to face the giant they were too overwhelmed to fight back they needed someone to come to their rescue and so did many of us so did all of us and that someone is jesus he gives us the ability the power to overcome all the things that we're facing So if you've missed any of the series, I encourage you to go back and check it out online. Uh, They kind of build on one another. They are standalone as they are different issues and topics, but but they all are kind of connected in one way or another. And we all face these giants at one time or another. I'm excited to share with you some thoughts on today's giant. Uh, Last week we talked about the giant of complacency, the giant that gets us uh, to take the easy way out, to not really care all that much, to more or less kind of live in this meh It just doesn't really matter. Well, this morning, I want to talk about the giant on the opposite end of that exact same spectrum, Uh, a giant that uh, has a way of making us care more about certain things than we probably should. This morning, I want to talk about the giant of anger. And this week, man, I had a really, really hard time finding modern-day examples of anger. Oh, Wait. No, I didn't. Anger might be the most prevalent and pervasive of all the giants in the series, man. From social media posts where people just go off on anything and everything, to news stations or talk shows where the hosts and the guests and the experts all argue over the smallest little things, to sporting events where professional athletes turn into amateur boxers or wrestlers, to stories of road rage to hate mail, which I received just this past Friday in my inbox. So lovely. Our world is so angry, is it not? My father-in-law runs a credit union, uh, several credit unions down in Albuquerque, and at each of the different branches that they have, they have TV screens above the different teller lines to help pass the time as you're waiting to get your money or deposit your money. And on those screens for a while, he had Fox News showing. Well, guess what happened? People got so angry that it wasn't CNN. So he put CNN on the screen. Guess what happened? People were so angry it wasn't MSNBC. So he put cartoons on the screen. And guess what happened? People got angry it wasn't Nick Jr. cartoons. They said they wasn't the right cartoons. So take a guess as to which station he finally landed on. The Weather Channel. No one argues over the Weather Channel. And so we're going to actually show that behind me in the next couple of weeks just to put everybody at ease, right? Make sure we're not upset about anything. But the Weather Channel. But our world is so angry. And that's why we like and resonate with different characters that are on the big screen, right? There's the Hulk. In the last movie, he says, Oh, don't worry, I'm always angry. There's the inside out character, Anger, who likes to blow his lid. Uh, Dave Buznick in Anger Management. Classic skits on SNL, the Angry Family Dinner. Go and watch that when your kids aren't around. I recently came across a skit, though, that I think just perfectly captures the essence of this particular giant. Uh, watch this. What? And hamsters. Can't you make it easier to get to that machine? You hold this what is hands like? She's right here. Kissing screen door. It is easy and appropriate to laugh at clips like that, right? But anger as a whole, uh, especially explosive, abusive, uncontrollable anger, man, that's no laughing matter at all. Now, some of you are probably sitting there right now and you're full aware, you are fully aware of the fact that anger uh, is a giant that is standing right in front of you, right? Anger is something you feel or struggle with on a daily basis, Someone, anyone, does the smallest little thing, says the smallest little thing, and you erupt like a Hawaiian volcano, right? Chances are you're literally getting mad right now as I'm bringing this to your attention. Tim McGraw was singing to you when he said, I don't know why you gotta be angry all the time. Okay, not country fans, obviously. (laughs) Did not expect it to be a solo. Uh, Others of you are probably thinking anger. I'm not an angry person, not at all. This giant doesn't apply to me one bit. Well, not so fast, little Miss Patience or Mr. Longsuffering. Anger goes by a lot of different names and manifests itself in a lot of different ways, does it not? You might not be an angry person per se, but chances are you are passive aggressive towards certain people, especially the self-proclaimed cubicle commando at work. Or you're critical and condescending to those who have different religious views than you or political views or those you're just jealous of. Maybe you're you're easily irritated or annoyed by that screaming kid on the airplane, a slow server at the restaurant, that clueless driver on the freeway. Maybe you carry resentment or bitterness uh, toward an ex or a former employer or maybe even a parent or a pastor for that matter. Anger isn't just throwing screen doors off the porch. It is that, but it's also a lot more than that. It's a lot more complicated than that. And we fool ourselves, and I think give this giant a ton more power and sway in our life when we just assume we're not angry people. Oh, I'm not angry. I'm just outspoken. I'm not angry. I'm just honest. I'm not angry. I'm just, I'm just passionate. I just tell it like it is. I speak my mind. I, I don't mind rocking the boat. Friend, I hate to tell you this, but you're saying this and your face is getting really, really red. Both of your your fists are clenched and there's this giant vein popping out the side of your neck. We're all angry in one way or another about something or another. We all struggle with this. And for some of us, anger is truly a giant, an overwhelming giant that is destroying you and demoralizing you. With each and every day. So, I want to walk through five foundational truths about anger that we find in the pages of scripture. Uh, five things, five truths that I think give us the power and the ability to overcome this particular giant. So, let's walk through them now. Number one, the Bible teaches that anger is more detrimental, more destructive than we think, more dangerous and detrimental, more destructive than we typically assume. See, anger distorts things, it destroys things, it divides things like nothing else. Proverbs 14, 29, and 30 says this, slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. A quick-tempered person, I love this language, stockpiles stupidity. A sound mind makes for a robust body, but runaway emotions corrode the bones. See, Solomon, the one who penned these words, said that runaway emotions corrode the bones. He was right, literally. Anger destroys our bodies. Countless studies have shown over the years that anger does more to corrode and tear apart your body than anything else, more than anxiety, fear, even excessive physical exertion. Nothing sets you up for a heart attack, heart disease, or a stroke like anger. So anger destroys our bodies. Anger also destroys our ability to make good decisions. Again, you stockpile stupidity when you're angry. Anger causes you to think and say things that just don't make sense that aren't helpful in the situation. And so you just start adding stupid thing to stupid thing to stupid thing. You just stockpile stupidity. Normally, after you cool off, after an an angry tirade, you think back or look back on what you said or what you did in that moment or that situation, and you're like, man, why, why was I such a fool? Well, do you know why? Because you literally were a fool in that moment. Your mind was not working right. You didn't have the ability to make good, sound decisions. Anger also destroys our relationships, Proverbs 29, An angry person stirs up conflict. A hot-tempered person commits many sins. See, when you are angry, you throw words or nonverbal cues around like hand grenades. And anyone and everyone around you ends up getting really really hurt, excuse me. Anger has a way of stirring up conflict and turning the smallest little thing, a little disagreement into an all-out war and it's a war that no one can win and a war where there will be no folks left standing. So anger is much more detrimental than we think. It's not just saying what you think. It's not just speaking your mind. It's not just being passionate. Anger is a problem because it destroys and divides things in a way that nothing else can. The Bible also teaches that anger itself is not a sin, but it typically leads to sin. In Psalm 4, 4, as well as Ephesians four twenty six, we read these words, in your anger do not sin. That's an interesting way to say it. It's saying that anger is not sin, but be careful because when you're angry, it's easy to fall into sin. It's possible to be angry in a way that's good and, and godly. We see this in the biblical narrative, right? Moses got angry at Pharaoh as well as the Israelites. David got really angry at the rich guy who stole the poor guy's sheep. It was actually himself. Jesus got angry on multiple occasions at different religious groups, and not one time were these individuals rebuked for being angry. They were not punished for feeling that way. There is a type of righteous anger that's not only right, but it's also acceptable, maybe even necessary. More on that here in a minute. But here's the thing, most of the anger that we feel isn't that. Most of the anger that we feel leads us into sin. James 1.19 says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, the anger that more often than not arises within us is this type of anger, this human anger. And James is clear, when you have that type of anger inside of you, you are not living in the right way. You're not living righteously. See, human anger causes us to hold grudges, to lash out, to speak careless words, to lose control, to put our needs or preferences above everybody else's. Anger isn't sinful, but all of those things sure are. And anger causes you to do all of those things. That's why the biblical command is to be slow to anger. Because unlike other vices, man, anger has a way of snowballing into so much more. Anger is like a gateway drug, if you will. Anger is a gateway giant. And a lot of other giants will come into your life if anger has a hold of your heart. But here's the thing. Lesson number three, the Bible teaches that anger, righteous anger, is acceptable and possibly the most appropriate emotion in certain situations. Let me explain that. The phrase, the anger of the Lord, is found throughout the Scripture over 20, about 25 times. In the book of Jeremiah alone, the phrase, the fierce anger of the Lord, shows up over a handful of times. God's anger is a very real thing. Psalm 90, 11. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is due your name. Now, a lot of people will ask, or at least wonder, and for good reason, how can a loving God be wrathful? How can this loving God get so angry? Those things seem contradictory, do they not? It's a great question, and actually the answer is found in the question. God's wrath is actually rooted in his love. People normally think that love and anger are incompatible. That's not true at all. See, if you love something, truly love it, then you will be filled with anger when anything comes against it. If you love something, truly love it, you will be filled with rage if anyone tries to harm it or hurt it. Right, Your anger towards it proves that you love the object. If someone were attacking Becca, let's say, or just bad-mouthing her, spreading rumors about her, being a loving husband wouldn't mean i just sit back and let things play out. Well, I can't help right now. I, I can't get angry at her attackers. I can't come to her rescue. I'm so sorry. I love her. Well, yeah, you fool, because you love her, go rescue her, right? Because you love her, go to her aid. Because you love her, get mad and remove, possibly destroy anything that's coming against the one you love. See, people want a loving God, but they also want an indifferent, passive God who doesn't get angry. You can't have both. If God loves us to the level and depth that he claims, then you would want and expect him to get really mad at anything that's hurting the ones he loves. You would get, or you would expect, maybe even ask for him to get really mad at the things that are in you that are hurting the one that he loves. You with me? When you love something so much, you will be angry at anything that is seeking to harm it or hurt it. Some of the craziest uh, examples of anger I've ever seen in my life come from mamas whose children are endangered in some way. Anybody with me there? I mean, you want to see anger, watch a pizza delivery guy speed through the neighborhood when the kids are playing in the street. I mean, that woman goes off, becomes some sort of monster. I mean, that, she chases. I've seen a woman chase after the delivery car, screaming things I've only heard in rap albums with that explicit lyric sticker on the front. It's like, where did you learn that? Not Becca, not my mom, not my mother-in-law. Okay, This is hypothetical. But is, if you don't ever get angry about anything, you aren't in love with anything. You actually show you care about something when you get angry when something comes against it. Tim Keller says it this way, He who is angry without proper cause sins, but he who is not angry when there is proper cause also sins. As I mentioned before, Jesus got angry on multiple occasions. John 2, Mark 3 uh, Mark 11 in those texts if you look at the original language it literally says he bellowed with anger he was filled with rage how is that possible Jesus is the most loving guy around he's the most loving man to have ever existed how could he be angry well you, you just answered your question because he's the most loving guy He is a man of such intense love, he has to have intense anger when anything comes against that which he loves. Love just demands it. You see, God designed anger to be something that helps us to destroy and take away and remove anything that destroys what we love. That's the purpose of anger. Lesson number four. The Bible teaches that when we, or what we get angry about, reveals what we truly care about. This is connected to the last point, right? See, love and anger, they are connected to each other, two sides of the same coin, but anger and love also reveal a lot about one another. I want you to think back just for a second about the last time you got angry. I'm talking really angry, like curse word, flying fist, throw a screen off the back porch, angry. All right, just take a minute. If you you don't know, just ask the person next to you, right? They probably have a good memory, better than yours. Was it at your kids? Was it at your spouse? Was it at your boss or your professor, maybe a neighbor, some loudmouth politician? When did you get so worked up about something that you just flipped your lid? Here's why answering that question is so important. What you get angry about truly reveals more than anything else what you care about. You with me? What you get angry about reveals more than anything else in all of this life what you care about. Let's take a second and work through that. Let's say a few days ago you totally lost your cool at Starbucks because the barista not only messed up your order, but he took 12 extra minutes to do it. And because of his mistakes, you're now running late for your morning meeting. The whole day is thrown off. Man, you just lose it. Dirty looks, muttering little comments under your breath, snide comments as you slam the door. Why? Why did you get so angry in that moment? Well, it's because in that moment, you loved something deeply. And it wasn't just your venti caramel macchiato. You loved looking responsible, which means being on time. You love being respected at work, which means showing up when everybody else does. You love yourself. You love your image. You love your reputation. Because you love those things so much, you get really angry when anything comes against those things. You with me? When anything attacks those things. Your anger in that moment was based on love, not love for Jimmy. Jimmy's having the worst day of his life over at that Starbucks, you could care less. You love yourself, and so you get mad when things don't work out for you and yourself. Or let's say a few nights ago you just blew a gasket Because your spouse left his or her shoes in the middle of the living room floor again after you told them repeatedly not to do this. So you helped them pick up the shoes by picking them up and then launching them across the living room or even out into the backyard as the sprinklers were going on. Again, totally hypothetical. (laughs) Where did that outburst come from? Again, it's because you love something, right? You got angry because you love to be appreciated. You love to be listened to. You love being treated with courtesy, consideration. You love feeling like you have control over your family or over your living room floor. You love you. You love what's important to you. And so when someone does something against you or your efforts or your, your clean floor, you get angry, right? Those shoes represent someone hating you. And because you love you, you pick that shoes up, ah. What makes us angry reveals what we love. And nine times out of 10, our anger stems from the fact that we love ourselves. Man, do we love ourselves! We love our own well being, we love our own comfort, we love our own time, we love our own resources, we love our own stuff, we love us. So when something comes against us, we get all worked up about it. That's the human anger that James is talking about, not the righteous anger described in the Bible. See, those in the church who struggle with anger that I've met with over the years or talked to over the years, they are quick to point out Jesus, aren't they? Well, Jesus got angry. Do you not remember the story, Pastor, right? He's throwing tables around in the temple. He was mad at injustice. So that means that I can too. Okay, agreed, agreed. But you're calling someone cutting you off in traffic an injustice of biblical proportion. You're calling your spouse leaving her retainers on the counter again an injustice of biblical proportion. You're calling your cubicle mate playing backstreet boys really loudly an injustice. Yes, actually. That is, that's just evil. That's just evil. You see, Jesus got angry, yes, but he got angry at religious leaders, religious leaders who were literally robbing God's people. They created a system in the church where helpless, hurting people had to pay money they didn't have to receive a blessing from God they already had. We are the object of God's love and affection, and so he was angry when something was coming against that. If you want to get angry about something, friend, by all means... Why don't you get angry about the fact that hundreds of children have to stay in group homes because there are not enough foster care families in this city? Or how about you get angry about the fact that kids have to be removed from their homes because they're so dysfunctional to begin with? You got a reason to get angry. Just go ahead and get angry about that. If you want to get angry about something, get angry about the fact that millions of people across this world are still dying from lack of clean drinking water. You want to get angry, by all means, blow your lid on that. You want to get angry about something, get angry about the fact that Denver has become the number one city, the hotbed for sex trafficking in the U.S. You want to be angry, friend, by all means. I want that vein to pop out your neck when you're talking about that. That stuff warrants anger. LeBron signing with the Lakers? Your hamburger being undercooked? Our worship going over 10 minutes? That doesn't even demand frustration, let alone outright anger. The giant of anger makes you care about stupid things you shouldn't care about at all and apathetic towards things you should care so much about. You with me? The giant of anger makes you care about stupid things you shouldn't care about at all and apathetic towards things you should care deeply about our anger human anger is normally disproportionate it's disordered at so many levels it's disordered in its cause we get mad about things we shouldn't get mad about it's disordered in in terms of its its proportion right we exhibit way more emotion in a situation than the situation ever demanded and it's disordered in terms of its goal we don't care about the people or the injustice involved that's human anger and that's what many of us are struggling with i love what martin luther king jr once said our love will be so intense and so undeniable, we will not only win our freedom, we will eventually win you. That is the goal of godly anger. Is that your goal when you get angry? To win not only the argument or the battle that you're in, but to win over the person that you are engaged in that argument or battle with? Fifth and finally, the Bible teaches the only way to overcome anger is to keep in mind God's patience. I'm not sure we truly understand or appreciate just how patient our God is. Romans 9.22, in the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. See, friends, if, if I'm honest, every day I feel like I let God down. Like I turn my back on him, I, I settle, I sin. Every day I'm reminded of how I'm an object of God's wrath, the scripture says. God has every right to look down on me and to be like, are you, are you serious right now, Thomas? You're doing that again? You're saying that again? You're looking at that again? And yet he's so patient with me. Instead of cursing me out, he reminds me of his covenant. Instead of rebuking me, he seeks to restore me. Instead of tearing me down, he lifts me up. Our God is so incredibly patient with us. He should blast me. He should punish me. He should take me like a screen door and over throw me off the porch. That's what I deserve. The way I talk, the way I think, the way I act, that's what I deserve. Let me say it this way. If I spill some ink on your dining room carpet, American Home Furnishings, you know, Ikea, whatever. That's a big deal. You should be angry at me. If I spill spill some ink, (laughs) if I spill some ink on a priceless Persian rug, the only one of its kind, that demands a little bit stronger anger. You with me? Like, I'll buy you a new rug from Ikea. Like, I'm sorry, man, but we'll fix it. It's not so much what you do It's whom you do it to. That's what makes it so intense. That's what makes it so bad. So when I hurt you, I get that. I'm I'm really sorry about that. But when I hurt God, that's a whole other level. You talk about Persian rug. That's what happens when we turn our backs on God. We are hurting and cheating on and disobeying the creator of the universe, the definition and epitome of holiness and righteousness, the one who sits enthroned, above all the other kingdoms in the world, and one day we'll judge the living and the dead. That's who we've hurt. That's who we've made angry. This ain't some Ikea rug we're talking about here. He has every right to throw me off the back porch, but he doesn't. He's so good. He's so kind. He's so loving. He's so patient. And so if the giant of anger is one that is just ripping you apart, if you are struggling with the issue of anger, uncontrollable anger, it's because you have not fully grasped the patience of God in you and over you you need to come face to face with just how patient God has been with you and will continue to be with you. If it weren't for his patience, you would not be here right now. If it weren't for his patience, you would not know what grace even is. If it wasn't for his patience, Jesus never comes. It's because he's so patient with us. If it weren't for his patience, Backstreet Boys wouldn't be alive. But he's patient. He puts up with things that no one really likes. But think about it, someone cut you off in traffic, someone ignored or disregarded the dinner that you made, someone dirtied up the floor you just spent all day cleaning, someone chose someone else over you, someone broke a promise to you, someone hurt you, that arises anger, that that demands anger. But guess what, we've all done far worse to the Lord. We've all done far worse to God, and yet he's patient with us. We seek to destroy those things that make us angry. It's a good thing that he doesn't, because we wouldn't be here. So anger, my friends, is no small thing. In fact, it's a giant that many of us face and have to hear uh, taunting us on a daily basis. Maybe it's one that you faced years ago, and it just comes up every once in a while out of the blue. You just you don't even know where it comes from. I hope that the five things we talked about this morning will bring your spirit some healing that you'll spend some time thinking through, praying over, diving deeper into the truths that we talked about this morning with anger. I hope that these five truths will help you overcome your giants. See, God is the only one that can bring you victory. Counting to 10, turning away, going to your happy place. I don't know what everybody else has told you to do when you get angry. You've got to rely on the Lord. You've got to reach out to God. And on that note, next week, we're going to talk about being angry towards God. Because sure, he can help us out when we're angry towards a lot of other things. But what happens when we're really angry at him? What does that look like? So I hope you'll join us for that. As we end, let me pray for us and we'll get you out of here. God, we thank you so much for being such an incredibly patient God. Lord, the scripture t- uh, describes you as being slow to anger countless times. Lord, that is the phrase. You are abounding in love, rich in mercy, slow to anger. And Lord, we are the direct. Uh, recipients of that good news God we know full well that you are so patient with each and every one of us we wouldn't be here we wouldn't be forgiven we wouldn't have the hope of heaven if it wasn't for your patience and every day Lord I'm sure that we each try your patience in one way or another we push it to the limit God but your mercy and your kindness your patience and love they are new every morning we're given another chance and another chance and another chance and we want to be people who live in that, God. We want to be like you. We want to be made in your image in that way. We want to be patient people, God. This world has gone mad. Literally, they're mad about everything. We don't want to be like that, God. We want that peace that we sang about before. We want to dance in the deep, not be mad about it. So help us, God. We need your supernatural power now. We need your spirit, God. God to come into our lives and make us people of peace and people of patience. The next time we just want to blow our lid, God, the next time something pushes us to the point where we're just going to flip out and get so mad, God, will we just take a minute and reflect, what are we so mad about? What is it that we love in this moment? Is this a righteous anger? Does this bring about your kingdom? Will this build other people up? Is it good for me and my own physical health? God, help us to think about all of those things in that moment and, again, the supernatural ability To have patience. Forgive many in this room, especially the men who have exhibited very aggressive forms of anger over the years, God. Forgive those who have abused. Forgive those who have yelled. Forgive those who have hit things, God. Forgive us of those those sins. Help make us now people of patience. People of peace. Peace. We can't do it on our own. We need you to come and do it for us. So we ask now. We humble ourselves before you now. Make us like Jesus, angry about the right things, God, and patient with everything else. In his name we pray, amen.